How come he don't want me, man? I'm going to marry me a beautiful honey. <laughs> that's, that's always the one that gets me. I'm going to marry me a beautiful honey. To hell with him. <laughs> You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> this is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. We've got local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm Walker Mail alongside Doug Branson today. And of course, just because it's Tuesday, we'll bring on Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. You can find his stuff on his Twitter handle, at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks so much as always. How are you? I'm driving around in a winter wonderland in Charlotte. How, how crazy is this? I, I woke up today at about 7 o'clock. I checked the weather app right before I, I walked out. Well, I walked out the door at about you know 5 or so, 5.15 or so. And then I checked that at 7 o'clock it's supposed to snow. And lo and behold, right here in front, it's coming down hard, Rick. Well, you know, when you say that, the wild thing is it's one thing to see flurries and have them, you know, if they were just hitting the ground and melting. This is actually, I'm, I'm actually having to wipe them off my front and back windshield. It's crazy. No, it is crazy here. April 2nd, and we got the snow coming down as hard as it is. That's pretty interesting. Uh, certainly, we didn't really get all that much snow this past winter, but we're getting it here now. And we thought it might be an April Fool's joke. Not anymore. It's for real. Rick Bennell again joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And Rick, we did just talk on the wake-up call earlier this morning, but I'll ask you this again. I feel like we're at a fair point, even with a few games left to go in the regular season, where the Hornets are math—they're not mathematically out of it, but they're certainly out of it for sure after the three losses that they've just suffered. They're going to continue to go to the young guys, as they did with Malik Monk 25 minutes last night and so on. Just, I think we're at a fair point to evaluate the season as a whole at this point, and just how would you summarize what you've seen this season? Uh... They were a little better offensively than they've been in the past, and that did not compensate for the fact that in some ways I think they were significantly worse defensively. And as you and I have spoken about, you know, the story of this season is going to be that um, they lost way too many games to bad teams and far too few uh, games to elite teams. I think that that had to at least – they at least had to balance off those two things in order to make the playoffs. Well, and Rick, this team has fallen off a cliff the last three games. There was a four-game winning streak where I don't think anybody truly bought into the playoff race, including you and myself and a couple of other people. I don't think anybody truly bought in, but at least it made it a little bit more interesting, certainly than what we thought going up against the Raptors, the Celtics, and the San Antonio Spurs. But the last three games, they have looked really bad, especially against the Warriors and for a large part of that game against the Utah Jazz. Just Kimball Walker being the only contributor last game. Uh, what would you what would you say is the reason why they fell off a cliff so badly the last three games compared to winning the previous four? Well, the, the Jazz game was a little bit more of an offensive problem. They missed some shots that were open. Um, but the three games prior to that, you know, they beat San Antonio, but they the, the trend that we saw in the next two games started in that game, which is that in those three games, they are literally the worst team in the NBA on defense. Uh, they were giving up 1.22 points per opponent possession. 
which is heinous. Rick, when you look at some of the young talent that they've been throwing out there now, um, Malik Monk has been somebody that has not been a part of the rotation consistently. He got 25 minutes last night at the end of the season, so they're not really a whole lot of meaningful minutes. This guy was 11th overall selected just a couple of years ago. Does that 11th overall selection give him special status now? Like, is it Because he's a lottery pick, do you have to consider and hold on to him a lot longer than you would other people, or has that gone out the window with his play over the last two seasons? I would say no, and I think that that, um, that involves two other factors beyond, you know, beyond his performance, which obviously, you know, hasn't been real good. One, he remembered that the current administration, you know, General Manager Mitch Kupchak and, and, and Coach James Borrego, they were not involved in selecting Malik. So they don't have to justify having done that in the past. And number two, there are so many other people at the wing position, um, obviously Jeremy Lamb, and among the younger guys, Miles Bridges and, and Dwayne Bacon, um, and to a lesser degree, Devontae Graham, because he does play often with Kemba Walker in a two-point guard uh, backcourt. There are so many alternatives that I think that, you know, that the idea that they owe him minutes is no longer, you know, it's a moot point. He's got to justify it to them, not the other way around. Rick, how much does the play of the young players dictate what they decide to do with Jeremy Lamb? I don't think that it's a direct binary thing um, where, you know, the kids playing well these last 10 games would by itself decide whether they make a, a big offer to, to Jeremy. But it's got to be a factor in it. And, and you know, I will say this. I really think that how much money Jeremy makes in free agency probably has at least as much to do with what the rest of the league thinks of him as what the Hornets think of him. Because if they go into deep rebuild mode, I think that that will carry the day about regarding what they do or don't do about Jeremy, not their assessment of how good Jeremy is. Rick Dwayne Bacon had played really well the previous three games. Do you have any clue why he only played five minutes against the Jazz? I haven't seen any injury reports or anything. No, I really do not. Um, except that, quite frankly, we all look at minutes. I mean, you know, when I looked at the minutes last night, one of the things I immediately looked for was, you know, was, was Nick. Um, but I would warn you that I think that they're kind of in a mode now where, you know, what they're doing with games more resembles summer league or preseason games than it does a regular season game. Uh, he is, you know, the fact that he played 11 guys in the first quarter the other night says everything you need to know about, you know, this is data gathering, not, you know, winning or losing. And Rick, you mentioned Nick Batum. I asked you that. I asked you this earlier about Nick. Just let's say that next season the Hornets they do decide to go to a rebuild. They don't re-sign Kimba Walker, and this team gets significantly worse because Kimba's not on the team. I can't imagine they find a, a pursuer of Nick Batum willing enough to trade any kind of asset at all for Nick Batum's contract, and therefore most likely he's going to be on the team. Rick, I mean, if this team does decide to go towards a rebuild, uh, do you see one Nick Batum sitting in exchange for younger player minutes? And if if that were the case, how do you think both parties would handle that? Um, 
I think that Nick is a class guy. Uh, I don't think it would be wise to, you know, shun him, to just sit him at the end of the bench and never play him. And the reason I say that is because whatever else you think of Nick's skill set, he's a utility player. He can play at least three different positions. He ought to be coming in off the bench and filling in in different ways and you know, and contributing at different positions. Um, if I'm Mitch Kupchak, I say to James Borrego this summer, ultimately I want it to be your call, what you do with your rotation, but I don't think that it's wise for any of us for you to have a closed mind to what you can do with Nick when we're paying him $25 million a season. And, Rick, you mentioned just as we were talking about, maybe Kimball Walker does decide to go, and if Kimball Walker goes, that means this team might just have Devontae Graham as the number one option, certainly if Tony Parker leaves. And I'm one to believe that Tony does leave if Kimba is able to go because, of course, I just don't see the attractiveness for Tony to stick around. Uh, what would they do if Devontae Graham is the number one option at point guard for a rebuild next season? You know, um, obviously this time of year people pay a lot, of, a lot of attention to the NFL draft. And the NFL schedule is very different from the NBA schedule in the sense that free agency precedes the NFL draft. I think that that is, a, is better for general managers because it allows them to, you know, have their roster in somewhat of a shape so that they don't have to reach for need with draft picks, particularly high draft picks. The Hornets are not going to know definitively what Kemba's going to do before they exercise the first-round pick in June. Um, I think that they really need to have a plan, a contingency plan, and not a, a, you know, I don't think it's an unlikely thing that Kemba's not here next season. They have to figure out what they're going to do going forward at, at point guard. If it's not a clear reach, I would thoroughly endorse them, you know, taking a point guard with their lottery pick. And um, if somehow Kobe White is there when they pick, grab them. I think a lot of people would be happy with it, especially if Kimba is gone. That's Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. Find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Always really interesting mailbag columns. I like reading those. You can find those on his Twitter handle again, at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks so much. We always enjoy it. I appreciate you joining us again. All right, you too. Again, that was Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back with plenty more here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school, and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug coming in today with a little extra stank on LeBron James' name. LeBron James, please. Not happy with LeBron after he decided to shut it down for the season, of course. Not before destroying the Charlotte Hornets for the however many time in the world that he's done that. I mean, it's been amazing how... What, Kemba's 0-28 against <laughs> I think it is LeBron James? Yeah, don't tell me, by the way, that that wasn't on purpose. I think LeBron James should be brought up on charges of tampering. Adam Silver, I hope you're listening. This was an obvious attempt to sink the Charlotte Hornets 
and convince Kimball Walker to come out west and play for the Los Angeles Lakers. And I also, while I'm on this subject, think that it was a direct shot at Michael Jordan. Like LeBron James is not going to sit down and lose, watch his team lose to a Michael Jordan owned team. No. It, this is his this is LeBron James frustrated that he was a part of creating this disaster in Los Angeles and has to take a shot at the real goat. Well, and he said so after the game, at least, wanting to play spoiler for the playoffs for the Hornets, that he wanted them to be taking the same break that they're going to be taking. Yeah, he's out. He's openly tampering. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I it, mean, he's no openly tampered a bunch of times this season. And did we not see the all-tamper team, as Amin Hassan named it, for the All-Star game? Absolutely, LeBron James has been tampering the entire season. It didn't work this season. Yeah. I mean, he, he couldn't he couldn't tamper his way to get Anthony Davis in Los Angeles, and now he's going to just get mad and, and destroy the Charlotte Hornets. What give? Get out of here. We're angry at LeBron James today. Remember to get the show every day. Subscribe to Locked on Hornets on the new Himalaya podcast app. And in every expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlist and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Hornets. I wanted to play a David Locke call from the game yesterday. I was bad, and I did not get the sound but we played it earlier on the wake-up call and it was funny this is the second time I feel like the announcers the play-by-play announcers have shown pity on the Charlotte Hornets defense which as you heard from Rick it's ranked dead last the last three games I believe maybe the last four if I'm not mistaken because the Spurs game was really bad defensively as well that passes the eye test as well I didn't need to know (laughs) stats you knew it was the you knew it was the absolute last defense in the league in that little yeah I didn't even need to know the score I mean you just watch these games and uh, you know the, the the opposing team has free run to the rim every game and so I Tim Roy who is the voice of the Golden State Warriors it felt like he was he definitely was taking a slight at the Charlotte Hornets defense. Steph Curry has that open shot. He says, Steph Curry with the open shot, nobody runs out on him, and I don't know why. <laughs> that was the thing. Tim Roy had that for us. Shut up, Roy. And then David Locke, of course, the owner of this entire Locked On Corporation. The boss man. He is the boss man. He calls the games for the Utah Jazz. Mm-hmm. So being there at the Jazz Arena with the Hornets playing defense or not so much, he says it was a Donovan Mitchell layup, and he called it, I don't know if this was a slide or not, or maybe he just genuinely didn't know, but he said, Hornets are in his own defense, I don't know, I can't tell, Donovan Mitchell goes for the layup. Now, was that a slight? I guess you have to hear it from him, but I don't know if that was a slight or if he really could not tell if it was zone defense or man-to-man the way they were in. Uh, listen, David Locke signs our paychecks, uh, so whatever it was, it was an outstanding call. It was great. No, it was great, great job, David. I think it was awesome. Keep it up, my friend. You're my favorite. I love it. You're way better than Tim Roy. Love ever you. even thought about being. Tim Roy, please. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Tim Roy, get out of here. Give me David Locke every single day of the week. So I want to go back and review what Rick Bennell said in his interview. I actually thought that was a pretty insightful interview from what we talked about just as far as an evaluation over the course of the entire season and also just looking up about what's coming up next. Because I think we are at a fair point to evaluate what's happened now on the season. This is a couple of meaningless games that are left to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we At least maybe we thought that was going to be taking place after the second heat loss that we had in the second half of the season. But the door had really been slammed shut after that Warriors loss. And certainly now with this Jazz loss, you could go undefeated. And it still probably wouldn't be enough if you're the Charlotte Hornets. So I think we're at a fair point to evaluate the entire season. And I think, one, it's a failure because you went all in on making the playoffs and you did not accomplish that goal. 
and you lost to a bunch of bad basketball teams, and you eventually were not able to get into the postseason. This was a team that was supposed to win more than 36 games. The over-under was set at 35 and a half. They're at 35 right now. It might just be the third straight season in a row where they win 36 games on the year. I think it's a failure because they wanted to get to the postseason, and when they started to win games for that four-game stretch where they won every one of them, it was when I think they showed their hands that winning was not their number one priority, playing the young guys was their number one priority. And so now you have a bunch of big offseason questions that we'll have later on, Doug. But this season, just was what were the takeaways uh, for you, at least, as far as the goals that were not reached and just your overall summarization? Well, I think the four-game stretch was exactly what I thought it was. Freshest legs in the NBA. Sure. Young guys with, with nothing to lose. Freshest legs in the NBA. Yeah. And they were playing with a spark, and eventually the NBA always catches up, and it usually happens defensively for a lot of these guys. Against the Jazz, you, you had that second quarter where the Jazz outscored the Hornets 26-16, to and it was relatively close in the middle of that second quarter. And then just three straight possessions, you had defensive mistakes by Miles Bridges, who has played well in stretches this season, but still showed himself to be a rookie. And then he had the really bad turnover trying to inbound the inbounds play to Devontae Graham that Donovan Mitchell uh, uh, got in there and took uh, for two points. So, you know, I mean, that's that's just it. They, they didn't have the talent necessary to make a playoff run. They really needed players that under uh, that underplayed last season to step up and, and play better. Nick Batum being, I think, the number one guy on that list – and it, and it didn't develop. And, and I think there are reasons that you can lay on the players' feet for that. I think that it's fair to lay some of that blame on the coaching staff as well. And I think when we look back on this season, there's going to be plenty of blame uh, to, to hand to everyone. But I thought it was interesting, your Nick Batum conversation with Rick Bennell, because I think that Rick is right that if you're stuck with Nick Batum and if you can't unload him for assets – then it doesn't Which seems so unlikely right it doesn't do you any good not to play him because you're going to have young players and those young players need to be facilitated they need to have players that can help them play better on the court and look Nick Batum's not helping you get to the playoffs but I think he's certainly talented enough to help these young players be in a position where they can make shots and as much as nobody likes him that watches the Charlotte Hornets there's very few that do I just think that this would be a guy that is still considered at everybody's point in their career where they are right now, he'd still be a top five player on this team. I mean, he's top five, top six player on this team right now, even though you're certainly well within your right to be frustrated with what he has not given you this season. But I agree with you. I think just for sheer bodies, I mean, you don't have as many bodies if Jeremy Lamb's going to be gone. Let's say that Tony Parker is gone, which I do think happens if Kimba is gone. I, I Kimba, gone. So there's three guys that we're talking about right now that were a big part of the offense. And at some point, you just need bodies out there that you're not going to be able to replace just through free agency and through the draft alone. And so Nick Batum would be a guy out there. I'm just interested in what the attitude would be from a Nick Batum, what it would be from the organization, and if there's any way out of it for both of them. Because I think both wouldn't mind moving on. I'm sure Nick Batum wouldn't mind moving on. I know the Hornets wouldn't mind moving off of that contract. I just would like to see what the attitude would be exactly if there is anything that anybody can do to move on from this situation. Well, you're still going to have a veteran presence on this team because I don't think there's any way that Marvin Williams opts out of, of sure. his deal to move somewhere. Well, you're, no, it, you're, you're still going to have Cody Zeller. So there, there will be a veteran presence in this locker room that I think will – 
sort of counter counterbalance any kind of attitude issues of of role or or whatever. And and so you look at the young guys. I think they've been awful the last two games. So let's talk about the future a little bit. I think both of us. I don't. Where do you stand on Kimba being? I mean, if if you were to put numbers on it, are you fifty fifty? Are you are are you twenty five seventy five in one way or the other? What where do you feel that you stand on whether Kimba stays or not? Oh, I think he's gone. I really do. I mean, I just feel like you can see the frustration mounting for him. And and I don't and maybe right now he thinks he's still planning to stay, that maybe the 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 franchise could sell him on a vision that that he could stay because it's obvious that he loves the city. It's obvious that he loves where he lives. It's obvious that he loves the fans and he, he loves being a part of what he's been a part of so far. All that's well and good, but I think he's going to get into the offseason and suitors are going to start knocking on the door and and I think he's going to really have some time to look back on what he's been able to achieve individually, but also what he hasn't been able to achieve as a competitive force in the NBA. And I think ultimately that's going to sway him to leave. And how about Rick Bennell mentioning, when I asked him about an article that he wrote, I believe uh, a few weeks ago, that the Dallas Mavericks, he knows for a fact that they are going to go after Kimba Walker. They're going to make Kimba their number one priority this offseason. I also asked about the Pacers, who were also mentioned in that article. How about Rick mentioning the Kimball Walker to the Atlanta Hawks <laughs> about how maybe that would make some sense to put him on that team with so much young talent that they have some cap space that maybe they would want to go after a Kimba part him and put him alongside the Trey Young just interesting to me that there were, I, I didn't even think of that team I don't know how much sense that makes to me right now with Trey I don't know if you'd want to have that kind of backcourt especially with Kevin Herter like I I just don't know but interesting to me nonetheless well, I think it, of of all the teams that are still waiting at the bottom of the NBA uh, sewer, I think that Atlanta is the team most prime to oh they look to like start they winning and start right. upsetting people and and make that playoff run. So I think it makes complete. I think there are a lot of teams that are going to be able to offer Kimba the max amount of money. What I think is going to happen is that I think both parties, Charlotte and Kemba are going to come together and look and say ah, yeah this doesn't really make sense for either of us we're not we're not going to be mad we're not going to you know fuss and fight over this it it obviously doesn't make sense uh, for either of us to continue down this road it's going to be the divorce that you wish your parents had <laughs> that, that's going right. to be the one <laughs> there will be no no nothing no plant uh holders thrown up against the wall nothing <laughs> like that no yelling no screaming no knife fights this, this is, is the just, one yeah, this is the this is the divorce that every child dreams about. They're gonna sit the fans down on the couch and go, "Listen here, buddy, uh, <laughs> things are gonna change around here." It's not your here. fault. It's, it's not your it's fault. It's not you. It's not your fault. You've been coming to the arena. You've been cheering as hard as you can. It, this is not you. But you know, sometimes sometimes things don't work out. And we tried really hard, right? We tried. We tried hard, and it and it just didn't work out. So, so perhaps the spawn of this is a Devonte Graham. If Kimball Walker is gone and the Charlotte Hornets are looking for a new point guard. If Kemba's mm-hmm. gone, then I would think Tony is gone. And at that point, Doug, Devontae Graham becomes your number one option at point guard. And what we talked about with Rick Bennell is how the NFL free agency, <laughs> it precedes the draft. I'm going to wait. I'm going to make everybody wait this out. You're teasing us right now with uh-huh. your laughter. So the NFL free agency, it, pre, it, it precedes the draft. And Rick was discussing how important that is to figure out, okay, what do you want to do as far as getting some of the young pillars for your franchise? And so with the Hornets, not knowing exactly what they're going to do with Kemba at that time, you'll have a plan, but who knows? I mean, does that mean that you're going to go after Kobe White at at all costs to have him be the number one point guard option or somebody as a veteran 
in the NBA. But you're going to have Devontae Graham if Kimba goes as your number one option who's on the roster right now. And certainly you have to get somebody else. All right, Doug, what were you laughing at? I'm just imagining Kimba Walker going up to Devontae Graham and saying, listen, bud. You're you're the man of the house now. <laughs> you gotta take right? care of everyone. You gotta take you gotta take care of your mom, okay, buddy? All right, I'll come visit you. I promise. <laughs> nah, well, yeah, I'm not he's go. gone. No, he's gone. He's gonna be the Will Smith dad. Hey, <laughs> oh, the best dad on TV. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, he's gonna be gone. Made the Fresh Prince who he is. <laughs> and Charlotte Hornets fans, they're gonna be asking, "How come he don't want me, man?" They're going to be asking that question. Mm-hmm. It's the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We'll be back with one more segment after the break. This is Locked on Hornets. Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her early leaf's a flower, but only so an hour. Hmm. Then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down to day, nothing gold can stay. We need the boys to mend with that now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Please listen carefully. Did you see the April Fool's joke played on Ashley Shamity last night, Doug? I did. I Not le- a fan of April Fool's. I'm just going to lay that out. Not going to be a surprise to a lot of listeners <laughs> out there. I'm kind of crotchety in that way. That's just Nada is also crotchety in that way as he shakes his head in approval violently as he has come like he's not a part of the show during the weekdays except for Friday anymore, but he's often watching us doing work from afar. And so Nada again approves of your disdain for April Fools. But I think I feel like a lot of people do. This one though, like, what do we think of this one? So if you weren't if you did not see the April Fool's joke played on Ashley Shamity, sideline pr- reporter for the Charlotte Hornets. They made her go all the way up to what was the upper section. And uh, she said that she just took the elevator, didn't have to take a whole lot of stairs. But then she gave us this story about George Clooney having gone to a Utah Jazz and Charlotte Hornets game before, I think all the way back in 2000, where there was a double overtime victory that the Hornets endured. And that George Clooney was all the way in the the, uh, uh, upper section watching the Charlotte Hornets get that win and she came up with this some um, extravagant reason that George Clooney went all the way up there because he doesn't like people towards his back like that's why he didn't sit courtside like a celebrity usually would and then so she brought us that story and then Eric Collins I love Dell because Dell was so pleased with what had happened Eric was too but I love Dell's genuine laugh and then of course they informed her that that was an April Fool's joke and they played the rookie who has of course not been with the Hornets really all that long. I mean, it was when Stephanie Reddy left for TNT and to host the bounce. And so what do we think about it? Like, I thought it was funny. I was kind of laughing at it the whole time, but I don't know exactly what I was laughing at. Well, was this an April Fool's prank? I mean, this feels like a rookie hazing to me. I, I thought I thought well, we were it now. Was. It I, was rookie hazing. Well, I feel like we've, we've had a reaction as a society against rookie hazing. The reason I don't – well, here's, here's the thing. The reason I don't like April Fool's in general is because I feel like – We've taken it way too far. And with the proliferation of internet uh, memes and pranks and false and sharks in the water on on the highway, like every day is <laughs> April Fool's. Like every day we get tricked by something on the internet that we think is real but isn't real. It, everything is fake on the internet. And so April Fool's 
it's just too much. It's turned into a that guy holiday, and it's like all these corporations like, ha look at what we did. It's April Fool's. Yeah. Like, get out of here. I don't like it. But to me, <laughs> this was not a prank. This was a little bit of like rookie hazing. Like, she's out there, you know, and, and the thing is with the internet, like, it's so easy to clip that thing of, of Shamini doing that and not have the context of them pulling. Like, this was live on television. I mean, I know nobody cares because nobody's watching Hornet. You know, not a lot. Not well, anybody like a- can clip anything. I mean, we did some live shows. Anybody could take whatever they wanted from that and absolutely clown us if they did it right. Right. But, I mean, this <laughs> is just putting her out in front of the audience and, and having her deliver ridiculous information. <laughs> well, it, and they had a graphic it's... up the whole time. The graphic up immediately when it goes to her says, this is a April Fool's Well, she, I don't think she has monitor where she is. Well, no, of course not. No, she had no clue. That, they had a graphic up the entire time saying that this was an April Fool's prank and that she had no clue what was going on. And then, of course, at the end of it, Eric Collins and Del Curry let her know. I like pranks that punch up. I like pranks where the little guy is able to get one on the big guy and not not vice versa. I, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm out there to fight the man, not to have the man rain down pranks on, on the little guy. <laughs> by the way, like, shout out. By the way, shout out to Shamity. I just want to say, like, it's always difficult taking over for someone that was really popular, and Stephanie Reddy was really popular with the audience. And so that's always going to be a tough deal. But I really feel like Shamity – uh, throughout this season has really gotten a lot better at asking challenging questions to the coach after the game. I mean, this was a really tough loss to the Jazz, and I thought she fired some good ones in there to give the fans a little bit of context to why some of these players are playing poorly and getting getting coach to answer questions uh, that maybe he doesn't exactly want to answer. It's it's always a tough it's always a tough. Uh, uh, sort of tightrope to walk, and I think she's gotten a lot better as the season. No, I, I think a couple of big changes with the Hornets, of course, and I think that was one where you move off of Stephanie Reddy be, uh, on her account. She goes to do bigger yeah. and better things, you know, host the bounce, and then having Ashley Shaw. She just tweeted out not too long ago just how grateful she is for having this position. Also, she's going to be a part of the Atlanta Braves coverage this season. Oh! Also showed on Fox Sports Southeast, Bravo. and I, that was something I think we all knew. But having Ashley be a part of both of that, both of those sports, and continuing to get better as the season has gone on, I think it's been awesome. Also, she tweeted out somebody else's prank that happened to them in 1996. I want to share. I'm I'm a fan of this one, man. Okay. So Mike Wise has a tweet out there, has a thread, and he says, "Quote true Who's story." Mike Wise. Mike Wise is a, a newspaper reporter for I think the New York Wise. And so, no, that's convenient. Yeah, I was going to say. So, Mike Wise guys is handle, and Mike Wise is the name. So, I'm just going to put that out there. I don't know if everything is correct or not, but that's exactly how I read that's it. That's not what we're about here. We're, we're not here for accuracy, but the tweet is going to be accurate. Quote True story Cavs cheerleader came up to me during the 1996 Knicks game, said, Are you Mike Wise from the New York Times? OMG, I read everything you write. I went to talk to her after the game, and she blew me off. I walked into the locker room. Patrick Ewing looked up and smiled, April Fool's. See, that's a good April Fool's prank. I thought that was a great one. Oh, it's so great. A guy who makes millions of dollars picking on the little guy and and convincing him that maybe, maybe some uh, some beautiful person would, <laughs> would fawn over them for just a second. Oh, yeah, it's a hilarious prank. I love that prank. I, I feel like Get this— Get out of here. He didn't take it personally. And so if he didn't take it personally, then I feel like it's okay. You have to know your audience. Well, he's had plenty of time to get over it, but I think at the time he was probably like, forget this oh, guy. Oh, no, 1996, Mike Wise, he was fine. He was absolutely fine with that. And by the way, I'm guessing that it was the New York Times 
is what he said. I think I said New York Wise, which he had it written down. <laughs> no, did he wait? Did he publish his own paper I, I, in 1996? He, he, he says New York Wise here, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. It has to mean New York Times is what he was a part of. And see, so, this all sounds fake. I think you just, I think you got April pranked. Fools. Yeah, yeah, I made is... up the prank that never happened in '96. Patrick Ewing, get out of here. That's his random. Is he even an NBA player? As George Clooney is. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hornets. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk a little bit more about the Hornets and their future. Mike Wise, get out of here.